What up, everybody? And welcome back to Love and Grit. I'm Laia. And I'm Justin. And today we're going to listen back to two amazing interviews of Philadelphia women who are up for James Beard Awards. And also, it's a great way to celebrate Asian American and Pacific Islander Heritage Month. Love that. I'm also about to get really hungry as you start talking. I haven't been to Ellen's spot, but man, Chef Nook. So Chef Nook just opened this gigantic, I can never say, it's Kayala, K-A-Y-A-L-A. It tastes real good all daggone day. It's unbelievable. And then Ellen's up for best restaurant tour. She has done such an amazing job in this city of being like a leader. Fork's been around for so many years, but she's involved in so much stuff. And she comes from humble beginnings. She didn't start. This wasn't her original journey. So this is why this is good that we're running this back. So people need reminding and inspiration. These are amazing women who are leading in Philadelphia, creating amazing experiences with food. And real quick, Justin, just to remind people, because you know, you are all up in the James Beard world. But for the dummy, the James Beard world, world is what to the food world? It would be like the Oscars. They award once a year chefs all across the country. It's a way to recognize and and raise up these folks nationally. And the food scene has such a community, especially in Philadelphia. Oh, man. Yes. I've never come up against people wanting to compete. Everybody wants to, like, help each other and help the city. And that's why these two women are so special. Oh, wow. Well, I'm just, again, I'm hungry. Let's hurry up and introduce this thing, Justin, because, yeah, I'm ready to eat. Let's listen. Ellen Yen is not your average restaurant owner. Sure, she's responsible for some of your favorite eating spots, which have all received high praise from the James Beard Foundation. Most foodies in Philly have tasted the goodness at Fork, High Street Philly, and a kitchen and a bar. However, Ellen doesn't limit her energy to restaurant operations. She has become a bridge between community and the food industry. She was a leading force behind the creation of the Sisterly Love Collective, and her pop-up food delivery, The Wonton Project, kept our bellies full while fighting to combat anti-Asian hate by contributing to the organizations that support the AAPI community. Are you a Philly native? When did you fall in love with Philly? Like, why Philly? All those questions. Well, I'm a Philly native now. Now I've spent my entire adult life, actually over half my life in Philadelphia. I'm originally from the northern New Jersey shore. I grew Ah. up in a small little town in Monmouth County, New Jersey, and I came to Philadelphia to go to college in the mid-80s, and I have never left. I love it. Why? Tell people why. Well, one of the things that I feel about Philadelphia is, although it's the fifth largest city in the country, it still feels like a small community, a small town. You walk down the street, inevitably, you're going to run into somebody that you know. And it's also international. So if you're walking around Rittenhouse Square or University City, you hear many different languages being spoken. It's diverse. I love that you can go from neighborhood to neighborhood and the personality of the neighborhoods change. It's a world-class city that's super accessible. And I think that's what we all love about it. When did you know that Philadelphia food was different? Like what was the first place that you fell in love with that you were like, the scene is different? I started out going to school at Penn and they take you on a trip of all of Philadelphia and they go to Chinatown and the Italian market. That was all great and everything, but 
I started working my first job in Philadelphia at a restaurant called La Terrasse, which is across from the law school on 34th and Sansom, where the White Dog Cafe is. And I just fell in love with this restaurant. It was a French Thai inspired restaurant that served Portuguese wine. What? And nighttime students would come in and it would become almost like a nightclub. I was a bartender there and I loved it. And I loved the energy of that restaurant. And that restaurant spawned many other restaurants like the White Dog Cafe, like the Old Carolinas, the Frog Commissary, many people. Oh, yeah. So it was like one of those restaurants that had an influence. And I just remember thinking not only about the food, but about the people and the culture that made it so cohesive and a great place to become part of Philadelphia. How did you know you wanted to own restaurants? Because it's different where you're like, hey, I want to study restaurant management or I want to be a chef. But to go on the track of owning Mm -hmm. restaurants Mm -hmm. and having that entrepreneurial spirit and the business mindset, I was wondering how you got to that track. Well, I grew up before the big chef explosion. So I don't think that really was something that crossed my mind, but I did love working in restaurants when I was in high school. And I knew how much my mother loved to entertain. And I was always part of the home entertaining. So entertaining people, hospitality, I feel like was always in my blood. But at that time, I realized that I wasn't going to be able to open a restaurant immediately upon graduating from school, that I was going to have to raise money and do all this. And but I was just constantly thinking all the different ways that I could figure out how to open a restaurant and all the while looking for that perfect job where I was going to hopefully or not hopefully fall in love with it and be inspired by it. So I graduated from college and then I started working in the advertising field and that eventually turned into working in nonprofit fundraising and I was doing event management. I never felt the same connection with people that I felt when I worked in a restaurant. There was a sense of belonging, a sense of teamwork, a sense of hospitality and creativity that I didn't get from any of these other jobs. Finally, I decided I was going to go back to graduate school because I was failing at my then management job. (laughs) So I figured, what the (laughs) heck, I'm going to go to graduate school. And I said to myself, I'm either going to become a hospital administrator or I'm going to open a restaurant. And so they're interesting choices, right? In a way it is, but in a way hospital and hospitality have so much in common because you're taking care of people. Hospitality is really what makes the experience. The food can be great, but like if the hospitality isn't there, that's what makes everything special. But we know we can break it because we've had bad service before. (laughs) Absolutely. Food and service have to go together and we're all human. Everybody makes mistakes. There could be a huge service problem and the kitchen might be able to fix the problem by getting the food out faster than they normally might be able to. But on the same side, there could be a misfire or a misunderstanding about the food. And it's the hospitality and service side that can also make up the difference. So it's that combination of food and hospitality that really makes for an exceptional experience. Mm -hmm. Anyway, so I I, I graduate with tons of student debt, just like everybody else. And I decide that I have to get a full-time job. And I realize I'm still working my butt off. And I was just like, well, if I'm going to work like this, maybe I should just go for it and take a chance because 
this is truly what I love doing. I never really loved anything as much as I love the restaurant industry. And that's when I decided I'm going to go for it, write a business plan, try to open a restaurant. It really is amazing when you look at your career. You've had such an interesting arc in the middle of Philadelphia's really dining renaissance. There's been phases and you've been a consistent throughout it and innovated, which is really amazing to bring us things like High Street, where you can get great pizza and great soup. That's what's interesting about Philadelphia, too, is not one thing always plays. You play to many different audiences. Don't laugh, but when we first opened Fork, the food was like $14 for an entree. And you have to always be changing because your customers are always changing. They're moving, they're growing, they're aging, they're having families, they're moving out to the suburbs, they're moving back into the city. The environment is constantly evolving. And so we do too, from the time that we open, growing into the place next door that included the private dining room and a prepared foods and takeout that eventually led to High Street and then being able to work with the AKA folks who operate AKA Rittenhouse Square. That's been an amazing journey as well, because if you like wine or cocktails, they have an amazing beverage program and they're growing as well. And so we've had the opportunity to grow with them. We've seen so many industries, not just the hospitality, of course, have to take pivots as a result of the pandemic. But where do you think restaurants and the hospitality industry are going so that they can still remain competitive and innovative for their particular fields? Do you see a particular direction or things changing for the next five, 10 years? Well, there's a lot changing constantly. And there's so much about our industry that First of all, it's so big and diverse. I mean, that includes everything from McDonald's to Fork, you know what I mean? I think it's very clear that people do want to come back and celebrate and be in a restaurant. So I'm not going to say that fine dining or sit-down restaurants are going away because there is an audience of people who want that. People are still going to be graduating from college and still want to celebrate in that really nice restaurant. So there's still going to be a market for that. Maybe it won't be the biggest component or maybe there'll be a lot less. Takeout is definitely going to be something that stays. Right now, the interest in authenticity of food, where it comes from, how it's being grown, how it's being distributed, all those things really will come together and offer something that's different. And that's, I think, the fun part about Philadelphia. And what I loved about Philadelphia's food scene over the past 15 some years is that it's grown so much in terms of its depth. Not innovation. Yeah, innovation. Not only is it about American cuisine and what does that mean, but it could be about Asian cuisine. I mean, like look at Chinese food. Chinese food used to be primarily Cantonese food. You saw more Northern style cuisine, now Szechuan cuisine. Now there's even more regions of China being represented in Chinatown and a perfect example of pivoting. Now the kids of people who originally opened their restaurants in Chinatown are coming back and saying, hey, we want a different style. Oh, I bet. And we want to do it differently. So there are people coming up with so many different ideas and ways to present. It's hard to say any one thing. The past two years has enabled more restaurateurs to be talking to each other than ever before. And that came from the fact that we all hit rock bottom at the same time and no one knew what the answer was. And so everybody was looking to everybody else for ideas and solutions. And from that grew 
more conversation. And that's what's enabling innovation to happen, I think, at different levels and different types of concepts. The Sisterly Love Food Fair came out of that, right? Sisterly Love Food Fair and the Sisterly Love Collective came out of that. It started with a woman friend of mine from Chicago, who's a restaurateur, Rohini Day, who owns Vermillion, starting and saying, hey, women should get together and have a platform to have a common voice and be able to get support from each other and share information. And we started that in Philadelphia in, I believe, July 2020. And it started with talking about things like, what are we doing with the outdoor restrictions? What are the indoor restrictions? Where do I get propane? What do I do about the labor shortage? Who knows a handyman who can come fix my whatever? And that grew into us saying, hey, why don't we do a project together? And Bridget Foy from Crybaby Pasta and Bridget Foy Restaurant said, I'm going to have an event in my backyard, almost like a farm stand in my streetery. Does anyone want to come? And that turned into, well, that's a great idea. Why don't we move this around different restaurants? And that's how the Sisterly Love Food Fair kind of took off. And it enabled a lot of women to be able to be out there. It was great. Great seeing everybody out in the street, in the cold, sharing ideas and promoting each other. I am Jill Scott, and I am Philly. Chef Knock has garnered national attention within a record amount of time since first opening her restaurant, Kalea. It has already been named Best of Philadelphia, garnered attention from the James Beard Foundation, and now her biggest honor yet from Esquire? So we gotta ask. So Chef, what's it like to be the best new restaurant on Esquire's list for 2020? Yeah. Um, yeah, right. Congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. I feel very honored. So the recognition is really mean a lot. It's mean a world. So what went into creating your restaurant? The love and passion for my food. And I think it's a part of being homesick. <laughs> I created the food first for my neighbor. I cook for my neighbor. And it became my way of communication to my friends. And then I was thinking at a bigger scale, like, would people like the food? And I never have any goal of opening my own restaurant until I found a space. So, you know, nothing much, really. That's, that's not true, nothing much. Yeah. Describe <laughs> the food that you serve and why people are going crazy over it. I don't know why people are going crazy about well, it. Because it's that good. So good. <laughs> <laughs> because it's good, okay. But I think because it's very honest, it's true, it's real flavors, it's real food. And it's the passion and love. And it's not just food, it's the culture. It's the family's recipe that been cooking and sharing for like 100 years. And there was nothing fancy about it. It's just only pure Thai flavor. I think about those blue dumplings that are one of the most beautiful pictures of anything in Philadelphia. So it's beyond good. It's spectacular looking. Yeah. I'm looking I, at the Branzino shit. I was about to say, it was funny, <laughs> even when you said fancy and I paused because it's like you have such a presence and the way you passionately talk about it and the love you put in it, it's so special and wonderful. Thank you. I grew up like my grandmother. She will serve me tiny things 
tiny little appetizer when I come home, tiny little snack that she spend the afternoon cook for me and just for me because when I moved to Bangkok for my high school, she moved to Bangkok with me to take care of me. Mm-hmm. And that's what I get after school. Little, little stuff, little shoe, my little dumpling. It's just like I grew up that way and that's what I love. So for me, it's nothing fancy about it. This is what we eat and this is what I want to bring to the food community in Philadelphia. So this is part of my life. This is my life story to you. How did you end up in Philly? Yeah, I was gonna say, why are we so lucky to have you? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I think I'm lucky to be here. I'm lucky that I married to a very loving husband, and I moved here because she live here, okay. and then I fall in love to Philadelphia. I I love Philly. I always tell people that I love Philadelphia. Philadelphia is amazing. How long have you been here? I moved here in 2010. Yes, okay. but I've been traveling in and out since 2007. So you mentioned that you didn't really even think about having a restaurant until you found the location. What was it about the location that you were like, yes, this is it? It's very cute. It's like <laughs> big. <laughs> You're very cute. About, everything is about the look. <laughs> right? Yeah. When I saw that space, it's just like, wow, big. Right window, little chair, little table. The space looks so cozy. And the landlord, Paul and Donna, his wife, they are most amazing people. So that's what make me feel like this is the right place for me. What's the future hold? I mean, you keep getting rave reviews. You're getting written up in these gigantic articles in in national <laughs> magazines. How do you keep it going? I mean, especially in a pandemic. Um, my staff and my customer. And my love for my business and the community is kept me going. If we gave up, it means my staff they be losing their job. If we gave up, it means that corner on I and Catherine will be so dark and gloomy. It look really bad for the area. If we give up, it means people will miss one of the great food. So that's kept me going. Someday I don't want to get out of bed. I'll be so depressed and scared. But then I'm thinking, hey, we have a restaurant to run. I have a lot of dumpling to make. <laughs> and, <laughs> and that just pull me right out of bed. That dumpling, they're not gonna roll themselves. I need to make them. <laughs> Wait until you see the new dish that we are planning to put it on the menu. Tell us Now, about it. Give yeah, us a sneak preview. So it's. The flat rice noodles that they use in Pasiu, but in my hometown is one of my favorite dishes. It's called Ratna Super. It's like rich gravy, seafood. We use all kind of big trim fish maw. It's mm-hmm. like fish stomach that been dried, oh. but it's very fancy. It's kind of medication. Don't all. Oh, okay, I'm Do sorry. No I just, you said okay. stomach. Okay. Do you know all? Sorry. I'm open, chef. I have an open palate. I'm Please. Open it's 2020. It's pandemic. You're right. You're right. Exactly. <laughs> You'll be fine. You'll be fine. Okay. <laughs> and crab and brancino or uh, bramandi. We still decide on it. Squid. And we make like rich gravy and with some egg, and we fry that rice noodle until it's crispy, and we serve it in a bowl of the crispy rice noodles. 
and the gravy, and you pour that rich gravy on the rice noodles, oh and with some Chinese broccoli, and we're gonna do the. <laughs> I'm sorry, it's making me. <laughs> it sounds so good, it's and, making me cry. <laughs> and we are going to make our house-made chili sauce, uh-huh. vinegar and chili, and yeah. you just add tiny bit of ground chili, tiny, tiny bit of that chili sauce, a bit of sugar, a bit of fish sauce. Season it while you're eating it. It's a lot. Oh God! I forgot to mention Thai food is like my top three like favorite. I love Thai food. Make it top one. Top one. Okay. Top one. Yeah, that's it. (laughs) You're an absolute delight. Your restaurant is now a national destination. And we're so happy to have it in Philadelphia and have you in Philadelphia. And I'm grateful for Philadelphia too. I still in love with Philadelphia each and every day. Well, we're in love with you. This is home. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, so this is really amazing. Just for everybody else's knowledge, Philadelphia has scored six nominations for the James Beard Awards. That's pretty amazing, right, Justin? Amazing, and we're gonna take home some wins too. So this is gonna be a big year for Philadelphia. And you know what, while we're talking about food, let's talk about our friends from down north. Yes, I, I can't get in there and eat either. It's always the line, but yes, shout out to down north pizza. They've now gotten nationally recognized because- oh of the incredible work they're doing, bringing in incarcerated folks. They live upstairs. They work and make this amazing pizza. Got best of Philly. And it's really amazing that Eater is recognizing and also partnering with these folks. Yes, to get the message out even further about what they're doing. I love that. That is perfection. Again, I'm hungry. I'm starving. I want some down north pizza. I'm going to say it one more time. I want some down. I'm going to, you know what? I'm going to stand in the line. I'm going to just stand in the line. I'm going to go. Let's do it. (laughs) 